unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, welcome to another episode, and we have my guys doing the media spotlight, Adam Eaton, Eric Lopez. They are standing by in the virtual green room as we'll break down all things media coming up in just a few moments. But first, another quick reminder, I've got preferred seating tickets for the Apopka International Jazz Festival headlined by the great Jeffrey Osborne. That's going to take place March 19th at the Apopka Amphitheater. And all you have to do to enter the drawing, we're going to give these uh, tickets away in the first week of March. They are valued nearly $170. Just send me an email to enter the drawing saying you want to win those tickets. Jeff Allen Sports Talk at gmail.com. Again, that's Jeff Allen Sports Talk at gmail.com for your chance to win those tickets to the Apopka International Jazz Festival. All right, it is time once again to do another edition of the Media Spotlights. As I have gathered Eric Lopez and Adam Eaton aboard. So we'll first introduce uh, Elo, as, uh, of course, from the Black and Gold Banneret and uh, the voice of UCF softball. And I am told is the preeminent bracketologist for the sport of softball. Elo, how you doing? That's <laughs> That's correct. I do bracketology and try to get them all right. I've got like 63 out of 64 every year, so I'm still not perfect, but uh, appreciate always coming on with you. Yeah, and of course, I read that on Twitter, so it has to be true. So there you go. <laughs> and of course, we have from the Sons of UCF, Adam Eaton. And uh, Adam, I know you will not take credit for this because you're a humble guy, but uh, B.J. Taylor did his first basketball game. Of course, he's been a stalwart on your program this year. That might be where the star was born. Adam, welcome to the show. No, I'll absolutely take credit for that, B.J. You're welcome. Because uh, I, I got nothing else. I can't follow bracketology. I got nothing else. I'm going to have to take credit for something. <laughs> there you go. No, nothing wrong with that. And of course, uh, uh, outstanding stuff uh, with you and UCF Mike and Trace Trulco uh, on that program. So we got a list of topics. I've been uh, keeping a list uh, since the last time we got together. By the way, the All Madden uh, special we did uh, right after Christmas, uh, still getting plenty of downloads. So uh, those of you listening haven't heard that one yet, make sure you go back and uh, pull that one down because it still holds up quite nicely. All right, so let's uh, start off first. Um, so ESPN, with the success of the Manning cast, has now decided for baseball they want to do an A-Rod cast. To my first reaction is yuck. <laughs> He's going to be teamed with Michael K for this particular thing, and I don't know about you guys, but my, I just see A Rod glorifying himself for three and a half, four hours on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, Eric, let's start with you on that one. Yeah, this is what you, and you knew this was going to jump the shark as soon as the Manny cast has been successful. It's now going to go through 2024, and of course now we have to copy it. I like Michael K. If you hear my home run calls on softball, it's kind of a homage to Michael K. Uh, K's uh, home run call, you know, see ya uh, deal. So I think he'll be fine. I just don't know if people want to hear A-Rod for three hours talking, and uh, that's kind of been the problem the last few years on Sunday Night Baseball, and I don't see that getting fixed uh, over this little project. Adam? 
Yeah, this is an abomination. This is this is just taking a good thing and just making it terrible because I agree with Elo. Uh, A-Rod's not going to say anything interesting in those three hours. It, it's probably going to be a lot of uh, look at me stuff, right? I think the, the the magic formula of the Manning cast is you know them a little bit. They're self-deprecating, but they're smart as heck when it comes to actual football, X's and O's. So you're going to get a little bit of that. It's the brother combination, right? Picking on each other. You're not going to have some of that with Michael K. I think the chemistry just doesn't make a ton of sense. And even if you said, hey, let's give it a shot, A-Rod would probably be like the ninth or tenth person I would even consider in something like that, just because I don't think he has a personality. I don't think he has the ability to kind of play off somebody, have fun like that. I don't know if him and Michael K have a rapport. Obviously, Michael K does Yankee stuff for a number of years. I'm, I'm assuming they know each other, but how close are they? I don't think we know all that. I just... It, this feels like, to Elo's point, a really good idea, you know, lightning in a bottle for ESPN. Someone goes and goes, okay, how do we do that elsewhere? This was their first crack at it. I agree baseball needs something because baseball broadcasts can get a little long in the tooth, but th- this just isn't it for me. It's an abomination. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is Kay and uh, A-Rod did a game together with David Cohn a couple years ago in Dodger Stadium. It was the Yankees and the Dodgers, and it was really good. And I think that's where this whole idea is coming from. And I think A-Rod picked Michael K. And I think K will maybe get the most out of him. I just don't know what that is. And the irony is the Manning brothers just re-upped with ESPN through 2024. And they're going to go outside of football. They're going to do the national title game, college football. They're going to do UFC stuff. They're going to hire like host and stuff to run some of the other sports i say let them do the baseball as well you know let's uh, let's see how sure. crazy they can get and how creative they're gonna get you know who would have been your number one pick you said you would have been your ninth pick would you have yeah. a, a, a who would have been your number one pick so i would have gone more specific to matchup but if you tell me there's a yankees red sox and you gave me a pedro martinez a rod manning cast i'd watch that right i'd watch it more for the specifics of the matchup and the personalities i don't know that you want to do a pedro and an a rod the entire time but i think you need a little bit of that the the rub of the Manning cast is, you know, they're brothers, you know, they're close, but they're also not afraid to pick at each other a little bit. They're not afraid. They know each other's, you know, uh, the spots to hit to really get the other one angry, right? Just because that relationship, I think you have that with natural rivals. So I would do something like a, a Pedro and a rod, maybe a big poppy and an a rod Jeter would never do it, obviously, because he's with the Marlins now and he wouldn't probably be that, uh, that talkative anyway, but give me, give me guys like that, that would be a little, a little back and forth and not afraid to rib each other a little bit. I think that would make it more fun entertaining I'm, I'm thinking A-Rod and Jason Veritek I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that could that could be a lot, whole lot of fun there but uh but yeah I think we're the three of us definitely in agreement that's a that's a thumbs down uh, uh move on ESPN's part well uh since we were with you last uh Ron Franklin one of ESPN's uh, great college football announcers passed away of course he uh he had some infamous dust-ups with uh Holly Rowe and Janine Edwards, although I will say Janine Edwards was very complimentary of him on Twitter, took the high road and, and all that good stuff. But uh, it, it did cost him his career at ESPN. But I look at Ron Franklin, uh, despite the fact, you know, he may have been, you know, still set in the 1960s with his views with women. You know, when he and Mike Godfrey were calling college football, I mean, at, at, the, at the peak of that stuff, ESPN was pretty much it. For Saturday Night Football, I mean, it wasn't you know we didn't have Fox Sports One, and we didn't have so much of a pro- proliferation. ABC wasn't doing much primetime uh, in those days, so you know they were kind of a soundtrack 
for Saturday Night College Football for for a, a lot of years. And Ron Franklin, of course, has the great pipes and uh, and uh, the the great Texas drawl. And um, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that his career uh, did not go out in a celebratory fashion. Want to get your thoughts, uh, Adam? Start with you on that. Yeah, I agree. He was a voice that, you know, you turned on the TV Saturday night, you, you knew he was on the call. It was a good broadcast. Uh, you know, it was one of those voices that you recognize, even if you were in a bar someplace and you heard it, you're like, oh, that's that's the game that's on. Uh, I, I agree. These are complicated when something obviously takes place that kind of ruins a little bit of the legacy of somebody. But he was definitely a solid broadcaster. He did have one of those recognizable voices, you know, a professional across the board, at least in terms of his productivity uh, game day. So definitely was was sad to see I, I, it. I actually was surprising to me how long he'd been away. I felt like I, I knew the scandal had happened. I knew he'd got removed. I didn't realize how much time had gone in between that and this, right? I, I just assumed it was like two years ago, uh, just because I guess you always just assume his voice is going to be there. So um, certainly, certainly uh, uh, thoughts and prayers to his family. And it's, it's tough that, again, sometimes these things take place and you have to kind of remember the whole person. But from a broadcaster perspective specifically, uh, he was one of the best that was out there for a long time. Eric? It, it was weird. Like the ESPN did that docu series, that 150 college football series, and he wasn't in it. There wasn't really, really a mention of him. Uh, that was surprising to me. And you're right. I, I guess it just ended that badly that you know they couldn't bring him back or do something like that. He also did Big Monday, Big Twelve basketball with Fran Fraschilla in the early days too. So he was kind of like the voice of Big Monday. Uh, for the Big 12, which I thought was a perfect thing. That's how he worked with Holly Rowe, and obviously that Lord, the last incident. Uh, great voice. I think people enjoyed it. I, it's unfortunate how it ended. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, when I think of the early ESPN days in the 80s, think back to, you know, Tim Brando's the host, Beto Cook is another one that people have forgotten. You know, he was kind of the Lee Corso before Lee Corso. Uh, Lee Corso will be the first to tell you that. Uh, and Ron Franklin, Mike Godfrey, and Dr. Jerry Punch on the sideline. Mm. Uh, that was kind of a – that was really our introduction to primetime college football because college, you know, back then it was rare to see football at night on television, not like it is now where it's frequent. Uh, that was a big, a unique deal back then. Yeah, this definitely. So uh, definitely a, a legacy as far as uh, college football broadcasting is concerned. So we kind of go to the NFL. Sean Payton retires as the coach of the New Orleans Saints. And now the uh, the Sean Payton sweepstakes apparently are on for which network will uh, want to land his services. I'm, uh, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe we're hopeful that's only for a year that he'll be the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. But uh, <laughs> I'm with you on that. I'm with you, Jeff. <laughs> Speaking but, into existence. <laughs> so for that one year, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um so how do you think Sean Payton will relate to television uh, based on what we know about him as a football coach? Yeah, obviously, he's a, he's a smart X and O's guy, right? I mean, he, he knows the modern game, so I think he can easily translate that. You know, I don't think he's over the top like a Gruden-esque type of figure. Uh, I think he'll be okay. I mean, in the media, he's, he's surly at times, but his last press conferences, when I think he kind of knew what his fate was, he opened up a little bit more. I think you saw more personality there. I think he's intriguing, um, especially along those Tony Romo-esque lines where can he kind of diagram something up before it happens. But I think the broader context of this is fascinating. And you saw this a little bit with 
with Sean McVay, right? Where the rumors started coming like, oh, he might be looking at TV as well. What a time to be alive now where head football coaches are using TV as leverage to either get new contracts, to to get something else worked out in their deal, whatever it is, right? Whenever they want to just kind of decompress, they're going to do TV for a year. You know, the Peyton rumors are out there. Then you hear the McVay stuff and more and more you're hearing guys maybe want to walk away and, you know, do some TV for a while. What a time to be alive when you're getting out of coaching. Imagine this, you're, you're Sean Payton, a Super Bowl winning coach. You're Sean McVay, who just won a Super Bowl, and you're going to dangle NBC and ESPN as leverage to your NFL jobs. What an inversion of where that was years ago, where anyone was dying to get out of the booth onto the field. I just think we're, we're, it's a, what a time to be in live. But a bigger picture, I think it's interesting. But I do think Sean Payton will be fine. I think he's got a good personality. I think he'll be okay. He needs the right, uh, he needs the right partner, though. And I think that's going to be what's interesting about it is there's the Amazon rumors, right? Al Michaels, is that a thing? If he gets a good partner and he gets a good setup, I think that works out. Um, you saw Drew Brees try in the booth and, and didn't really take very well, at least in the in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but I think Sean's got some knowledge. I think he's got a little bit more personality. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful on Sean Payton as an analyst. Eric? That's assuming that's assuming he's going to be in the booth. Are we sure he's in the booth? Is he going to be in the studio? Sure. You know, I've heard Fox is interested in him as a studio guy, especially with Jimmy not being in the studio all the time. The, my question with him is if he wants to go back in coaching, he's probably not going to be really critical, right? That's usually the the thing with coaches. If they go in, they're not going to be as critical because they know in the back end they're going to be back. And if he is going to be the next Dallas Cowboy head coach, which I think he will be, I think it'll be a year from now, uh, I don't expect him to be that critical. So I wonder if he's just going to be more of a studio guy. Fox would make sense there. If he is in the booth, it might depend on what happens with Troy Aikman. Is Troy Aikman going to stay at Fox? Is Troy Aikman going to be on Amazon? Is he going to do both? Because maybe Sean Payton ends up at Amazon as that next guy if Troy Aikman turns down Amazon and maybe joins Al Michaels. Or maybe ESPN goes after Sean Payton. So I think there's a lot of questions, but they can all thank Tony Romo, who's making $18 million a year. Now every broadcaster is using this as leverage. I just read uh, Andrew Marchant where Chris Collinsworth just re-upped with NBC for $12.5 million a year, and Al Michaels has an offer about 11 a year from Amazon. So it's a good time to be a broadcaster. I'm thinking Sean Payton, sons of UCF guest analysts, maybe? Football season? What do you think? we've made calls, you know, our people are in touch with his people. Really. It's more to get with the Cowboys, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch. But I, I think it's just interesting that the coaches are now using that as leverage. Like who, who would have thought that yeah. on, on Super Bowl Sunday, that, you know, the, one of the, one of the many narratives that you're weaving is, is this Sean McVay's last game? He wants to start a family. He wants to go to the booth. You know, again, what, what a time that that's become such a good leverage play. Hey, I love those for, agents. For coaches. I love it. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely been an interesting shift and well, I'm curious to see who, who uses that, that train next, but, um, I think Peyton will be fine, though. I think you get him in the right situation. I think Fox, to your point, Elo makes a ton of sense. Jimmy's been there a long time. You could sort of – I don't know that – I. I don't want to blaspheme Jimmy Johnson, but it looks like he's not as invested maybe as he was early in his career. I don't want to accuse him of mailing it in, but they could probably use a little bit of a shakeup on that show. That's an older show now, you know, with Bradshaw and Johnson. Uh, some of the younger other shows are going younger. So that, that could be a nice little, you know, move around for, for Jimmy to maybe step away and do something more on the specialty side and, and then bring Sean Payton in. All right, and so let's switch over to some uh, coverage of the NFL playoffs. So uh, funny thing happened at the AFC Championship game as the uh, NFL Today went to their halftime show. And of course, don't get me started on concerts at f- halftime of football games. Uh, I, I I have a big issue with that uh, to begin with. But uh, uh, so 
apparently nobody did their homework and the NFL Today crew is going to do their show and there's a giant speaker behind them just blowing them out. You can't hardly hear a thing they're saying. They're, they're, they're doing their best and all that. Does the studio show really need to be on site at the championship game? I think that would be another question that that uh, could be uh, entertained. Eric, I know you got a good laugh out of this. So what's your what's your take? First of all, uh, you know, Adam, isn't this the most feisty Jeff has been since we've been on him? He's going after a rod going after the. And a studio I didn't, being on I didn't have an yeah, I didn't have an anti halftime show take coming out of Jeff tonight, but I'm here for it. I'm ready. <laughs> um I don't I don't mind them being on the site. I, I think it's cool. I understand the value of it. It adds to the deal. You just you know, we'd like not to be next to a concert, preferably. Like I think we all do podcasts. We wouldn't do a podcast recording right next to a concert. Uh, that probably wouldn't work. So uh, probably better execution there. Although I would argue that was the best that that CBS crew has sounded all year. So some would argue <laughs> that. So I, I you know, um, you know, when, the, there's positives from this. Uh, my bigger issue with studio shows, not just CBS, is why do we have to have 800 people on them? Like Jim Rome was on that pregame. I didn't know Jim Rome was still like doing stuff. Like I know he's doing his radio show, but he's like pops in out of nowhere on the AFC title game. Like where did that come from? Maybe he's been doing CBS. I don't watch a lot of pregames, but that's my only issue. There's a lot of people there, and I feel like not too many people are upset that Phil Sims got muted out. I guess over the country song. <laughs> and to his credit, though, James Brown, the pros pro. I mean, he didn't flinch the entire time. So I got to give him some props there. Adam, your thoughts. Yeah, so I'm watching that live, right? And this is obviously CBS's signature game for this season, right? They don't have the Super Bowl. This is it for them. And all of a sudden, you have Walker Hayes talking about Applebee's and everything else in the background. <laughs> I turned to my wife and I said, somebody just got fired. I don't know who somebody's getting fired. Either whoever put the speakers there, whoever put the set there, somebody lost their job over that fiasco. But I think Elo's point is the better one around why are you at the game? I think obviously you want to be there to set the scene, set the stage. Right. But in my opinion, take the college game day approach, bring that thing out to the parking lot, have some fans around you in the background, have some signs, get the energy, of the crowd going. You get nothing by seeing an empty field behind you and watching, you know, the kicker kick the ball over the cheerleaders, right? You get nothing from that, from a TV perspective, put it in the parking lot, get some people around there, get some crowd hyped up, right. Get some energy going. I think that makes a ton of sense to Elo's point. I always assume things like that. Elo, with Jim Rome. I assume that's one of those lines buried in contracts. When Jim Rome went to CBS somewhere, sure, somebody wrote, sure. wrote in his contract and CBS is like, crap, do we have Rome on this week? Oh, man. Uh, let's put him in the C block, right? And someone's just trying to figure that out on the spot. But somebody got, somebody got fired over that because there's no way you could not have known that was going to take place. I don't know who it was. I feel bad. I never want anyone to lose their job, but somebody got fired over that. Yeah. Okay. Them. Look, look, look. <laughs> I agree with your philosophy. The NFL pregame shows have never been able to fulfill succeed that concept of college game day they've tried espn's tried it with their countdown show they were in foxborough for the brady return so they've tried it but they've never been able to figure it out i don't know if it's because of the stadium structure i don't know if it's because the nfl fans is different than the college fan the campus life versus uh, being at a stadium i don't know but you're right i agree with you why not do it outside the stadium i guess what they would tell you is they're going right until kickoff and yeah. they just want to be inside the stadium. That's how they know they've always done it. So, yeah, that shot on the field brings you nothing as a viewer, right? It's just they could they could be sitting in the desert doing that same shot because that shot brings you nothing. You don't see anything behind you. You're not getting anything extra from them being on the 10 yard line. So do b bring me something that I don't know about as a viewer. Now, if you're going to be on site, show me something. Wait. 
Well, you didn't enjoy Mike Tirico hosting the Olympics from the Super the Rams celebration on the field there in the Sunday night afterwards, which was <laughs> are, so bizarre. Are the Olympics still on, by the way? Are they on? I don't even know. I'll have to check the Olympics that's a, schedule. That's a rumor. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I'd heard that rumor, too, as a matter of fact. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. And, of course, one thing I guess, you know, Jim Rome probably thought the AFC Championship game was phenomenal. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Speaking of, speaking of uh, Mike Tirico, and uh, that kind of segues nicely into our next, next segment. And uh, good job there, Elo. Um, so Jim Dance and Mike Tirico had multiple events going on. And I think one of the things born out of the COVID age is people broadcasting remotely. You know, they're doing, you know, football and basketball from their from their office or living room or whatever so i think this may now be a case where that's gone too far um you know nance and tarico obviously the marquee names at their respective networks so jim dance was calling golf from kansas city when it was like 20 degrees and you know you see california it's a you know beautiful 80 degree weather and uh so he's doing that um and then, you know, he obviously calls the championship game. Uh, Mike Tirico is, as you mentioned, doing the Olympics first in, you know, in Beijing. Then he was going to come back, do his thing, and then apparently was going to go back. But they decided, OK, well, we'll keep him around. But, you know, at one point, you know, is some of this stuff too much? I mean, would it have hurt CBS to have Andrew Catalan call the golf tournament while Jim Nance was preparing for the AFC championship game, uh, you know, because that's obviously the bigger event that you would have him call. And, you know, does Mike Tirico, you know, really need to do both of these marquee events when they're crossing over at the same time? What's your thoughts, uh, Adam? Well, 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 yeah, yeah, Adam. I'm, gonna, I'm curious your thoughts first. Okay, yeah. So I'll, here's my thing. If you want to be a good broadcaster, the number one play-by-play guy, the voice of our network, you have to have a few things, right? Good, good voice. Be able to set a good scene. You know, be able to understand the dynamics. You also have to have an ego. And I highly doubt that Nance, Tariko, any of these guys are going to give up a prime assignment like that to an up-and-coming person behind them, right? Because that's all of a sudden you start looking over the shoulder and be like, oh, wait a minute, I got to worry about the, worry about this guy. So my first assumption when 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 you see this to me is ego. This is Mike Tirico or Jim Nance saying, hey, you know what? No, that's that's mine. I always do that. I'm doing that this year and I'm doing that too. I'm not giving up something of my portfolio of stuff because if this becomes memorable, you're going to hear my voice to it. And I don't mean to sound like they're, you know, completely just overrun with ego and they're trying to, you know, bulldoze everybody. But I think they take pride in the fact that they're part of the big games, the big moments. You want to have your voice there. Elo can speak to this when, when he talks. He does play by play. You want to be on the mic when that big moment happens at that big game. And if you know this is where the big game is going to be or the big event's going to be, I doubt these guys want to give that up. From a network standpoint, I I, I see you I, I see the value in trying to figure out who who else is available to potentially set the scene better. Because I guess my concern would be how vested are those two both in, in both of the events that they're covering? How much time are they looking at? Who, you know, if it's Nance, who is, who is on the leaderboard? Who shot really well on Thursday, right? Who's, who's playing well going into the weekend? How much are they really able to keep up with that? Is that fair to the viewer? Those guys are professionals enough that they can pull it off. But my concern would be if you start letting people who maybe aren't as professional try that deal that wouldn't work out but I always assume it's an ego play that neither one of those guys want to give up their portfolio because they worked hard to get to that spot and now they're not going to take it from them so they're going to do what they can to make sure they keep it well 
and in those cases are so unique because Jim Nance is the voice of golf. That's what that's what's got him into this. You know, it wasn't football. It was golf. And I think Jim is very loyal to golf. That's the opening event of the year. Normally, football season would be done and he could do it. But because the NFL has been extended now, that's a conflict. Flick, that golf event was in primetime. Jim Nance ain't giving that up in a primetime, and I don't think the network wanted to, so they tried the simulcast. Uh, we see this with Joe Buck in October, where with playoff baseball and the NFL, and he goes back and forth between that, and that's caused some stir, you know, stirred up some things because he missed some baseball playoff games because of the NFL and vice versa. My big issue, the Tarico thing. Now, the Olympics is every four years, two to four years, basically. So you get, you know, and he was brought in to host the Olympics. It just so happens it was a Super Bowl year, which is what NBC wanted. People yeah, forget yep. they traded they that, yeah. with CBS. They made a swap. They were supposed to have the Super Bowl last year. They made a trade because they wanted the Super Bowl with the Olympics in the same time frame. So they knew what they were getting into. And the thing that I have a bigger issue with there is, you know, we've just talked about being on location. They decided they were going to keep pretty much their entire broadcast teams for the Olympics in stand in Connecticut and their studios in Connecticut that they have. Yet they decide to fly to Rico to host the first handful of days of the Olympics. What? Why? Like nobody's interested in these Olympics. Let's not even get into the whole political landscape of things. They flew him up there knowing that he's going to then fly back to do the Super Bowl. What? They came to their senses. They actually got him there out earlier than planned. And then now he's not coming back, as you mentioned, Jeff. They were originally going to bring it. I thought that whole thing was a waste of time. He should have just been hosting the whole time from uh, here in the States, baby. Do it from the Super Bowl site every day. Cross-promote. Uh, you have you just brought in Maria Taylor. She could have been your primetime host for maybe a little bit. But, again, Tarika, he's getting paid big money. So is Jim Nance. Jim Nance just re-upped. Last summer, they're both in that ten to eleven million dollar range, and guess what? With that comes the responsibilities. Uh, so I don't blame them. I blame you know you could blame kind of kind of the networks for kind of setting it up that way. But to me, I have a bigger problem with Tariko flying him out to Be Beijing. What if something would have happened and he couldn't make it back? You know, there because that was one of the concerns. Is what if he? catches a uh, test positive for COVID or something. Now he's stuck in Beijing. Can't get back to the Super Bowl. That was very risky, I thought, from NBC. Yeah, it is very interesting. Um, you know, it's almost so like we might be starting to see a little bit, you know, the Brent Musburger thing at CBS, you know, it was infamous that Brent would not give up any of the marquee events because he had them all. And, you know, CBS wanted to uh, bring up Jim Nance to do stuff, James Brown, guys like that. But Brent was very reluctant to, to, to take his fingers off. I mean, they were, were going to pry his fingers off of those things, and they did so. <laughs> so, uh, you know, could that kind of thing happen again? You would think Jim Nance would be a little leery of that already knowing the Brent Musburger story. So I don't know. <laughs> I think for Tariko though, Elo, I think he's in a spot where he's, I think the Costa stuff has ended, right? NBC is looking for that voice. It's probably him, but I think, you know, you want to assert your dominance in this, in this, so this is like you're up late in the third quarter and you continue to, to run, you know, uh, you know, four verticals because you just want to keep, you know, uh, keeping the score high. I think at this point, Tariko wants to make sure it's established that he is the prime voice. He is the face of NBC sports. Al Michaels may, may walk away and go someplace else. I think Tariko is sure. positioning himself and to do that, 
you got to be on site. I think that's the other old school mentality, right? I need to be on site. I got to feel the game. I got to feel the action. I, I wonder if Tariko felt some of that or wanted some of that in his own. Cause I do think this is him just trying to dunk on the competition a little bit and make sure everybody NBC knows this is Mike Tariko's house. This is the new transition is here. I'm the voice of this. I'm the voice of this. And I'm not giving that up for anything. Well, I think also though, you got to be careful from a network standpoint, to burning out your talent. And I'm not talking about them. Like the broadcasters, we always want to be at the events. But you got to be careful of the backlash because fans will get tired after a while. Oh, it's him. You know, I think this happened to Joe Buck for a, a few years back. Remember when Joe Buck was the host that year of the pregame show for that year and, and he was doing play-by-play and he was doing baseball and then he got the golf. At some point, people get kind of burned out. Like, oh, man, you know, they need a break. And I think you got to be careful of over, uh, you know, exposing your talent in those situations because they're great at what they do, but your audience is what matters. And if they get not that they're going to tune out, but you're going to see some backlash on social media. It's like, oh, again, really? We got to see him. I see him everywhere. Uh, you know, I do think you got to be careful with that. You know, that's why you don't see Jim Nance doing college basketball in the regular season. I know college basketball fans don't like that, but. If he did, then people might get burned out a little bit uh, based on their scene. I think that happened with Chris Berman after a while, where the people got kind of like, oh, we see him at Home Run Derby. We see him doing, you know, every show. And then what happened was he stepped away for a little bit, and now people missed him. So I, I do think they have to be careful, NBC in particular, with Tariko and just giving everything to him there because you can run a little bit of a backlash there. I will say, though, I think if you think about Tariko, though, the, the two names you mentioned, uh, Joe Buck and Chris Berman, are both polarizing. People either love him or hate him, right? Like Joe Buck can just say hello and someone hates him for saying hello. I think Tariko is more down the middle. I don't know how many people dislike Mike Tariko. He's a little bit more conservative in his approach. So I'd be curious if he get that backlash. I see your point around overexposure, but I think Buck some of that on himself just in his personality style and obviously Berman was always over the top with everything so curious if Tariko would get that same backlash since he's pretty vanilla down the middle with his commentary yeah I don't know if you guys have ever heard Andrew Catalan do golf but he's actually very good at it and you know uh, Nance will let him do like you know the Western Open in August <laughs> you know when he takes well, that, look, he's, look, he's Jeff, away from football you know you're right Jeff. it's a competitive business and guys aren't just going to give up their spots. Like, I don't think it was an accident that when Jim Nance, you know, missed the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game at the end of the regular season, they put they didn't put Ian Eagle next to Tony Romo. OK, or last year when Jim Nance was doing the Masters in November, remember, Tony Romo took that week off. People are protective of their spots in this business. This is a cutthroat industry. You and I have been a part of this on the negative side. We've seen it on the radio side, which is really bad. Imagine television where there's more eyeballs and more you know, exposure there. It's a competitive business. So guys are going to protect their spots because they could be taken. You know, that spot could be gone in a moment's notice. You could be replaceable in your next negotiating. So guys are very open protective. I'm not saying that Jim Nance trying to hold back and Andrew Catalan. I think Jim Nance generally wants to do those golf tournaments. He grew up in golf. He was a golfer. Uh, and it's hard. And, 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 you know, Adam makes a great point. It's not easy not to do a sporting event because as a broadcaster there's that withdrawal of like i need to, there's you can't replace that you know that action of being on the field documenting what's going on in whatever sport you're doing you can't replace that at home uh, no matter what so you try to do as much as you can yeah 
Well, we've brought up the name Al Michaels quite a bit. Uh, of course, uh, you know, with the the rise of Mike Tirico at NBC, you know, he's been waiting in the wings forever. So Al Michaels, you know, it looks like Amazon is uh, going to be his landing spot for the Thursday night package that will be exclusively streamed. Um, so this uh, very well was Al Michaels' last Super Bowl because Amazon's not getting the Super Bowl uh, at that point. And I know there was some talk of him possibly going to going to ESPN doing Monday Night Football, which would have, uh, you know, hey, let's turn the Monday Night Football crew over again. Um, so... What did you think of Al Michaels' last broadcast of the Super Bowl? You know, God bless him. You know, the guy is 77 years old and still in high demand. <laughs> you know, it's pretty incredible. Uh, it's arguably the greatest play-by-play football career of all time. Like, if I think he's the best of all time. How many play-by-play guys can you say is on a national level at age 77 and still good? Still on top of his game in prime time. I mean, he's been on top of his game since the mid-'80s. Uh, and the fact that we still want him on the air is unique. And look, NBC, NBC, and there was a line I was listening to podcasts made a great line. NBC is the network that always is of the home of the succession plans. <laughs> Going back to the Jay Leno, David Letterman, Jay Leno, <laughs> Conan O'Brien, Mike Tirico, Al Michaels deal. And I don't think anybody thought Al Michaels would still be on top of his game at this this time. And he is. And it's remarkable, and it's one of the few. It's very rare. I think Vince Scully might be the only other one you could say that, but even he was not at a national level. He was doing Dodger games, but not like on a network calling the games. And Al is still on top of his game. I think he's the best play-by-play football guy of all time. He's one of the best play-by-play guys, period. And he's still on top of his game, and it's awkward for NBC because I think there more people would rather listen to Al Michaels than Mike Tirico, and that's going to be unique Sunday night next year if they go through this plan to have Tirico take over full-time. I personally, it was up to me. Al's going to go to Amazon. I agree with you. Fred Gadelli will produce those games. That's who he, he trusts. He's, t- he's been very open about that. They've worked together since Monday Night Football days on ABC. Why not split the Sunday Night Football with Tirico and Al? Like Al has been taking bye weeks anyway, so there's I think there's plenty of room with the extended Sunday night schedule to have both Tariko and Al split it. I just I don't want to see Al just doing you know the Jaguars and the Titans on Amazon here uh, <laughs> analyst role, but you know not that I feel sorry for him. He's gonna make good money on of it out of it. But there's a part of me that wishes he was still doing maybe go back to Monday Night Football. It'd be kind of a you know a full circle end to his career a little bit. But it, he's the best career. It's the best NF football play by play career I've ever seen. I don't think we'll ever see something like this again where a guy at 77 years old is on top of his game. Adam. Yeah, his longevity obviously is to be applauded. And I, I listened to, to that Super Bowl and I, I literally tried to find something to nitpick. All right, so wh- where's he going to mess up? Where can I be negative? And you're right, it, it, just to, on, on top of his game, even you know, even at this late, uh, I guess I don't want to say late stage of his career, but towards the, the tail end of his career. The other name I thought of, Elo, when you said that was Keith Jackson, maybe the only other guy that was still doing it pretty well at, at sort of the end, but I don't think he was on the same level of, of events that, uh, that Al had. I mean, the Rose Bowl obviously is a big one, but Super Bowls, things like that. Um, I do think Amazon's his landing spot. I mean, you mentioned the Fred Goodelli thing. I think that makes a ton of sense for him. That's also curious, though, because it's going to be kind of a 
while certainly there's some professionals involved, it has a bit of a startup kind of feel to it, right? And it doesn't feel like the spot where you'd have an Al Michaels. And I think that's my only problem, quote unquote, with it, Elo, is that feels like a spot where you try out that young broadcaster. You you get somebody who's maybe kind of working their way into the uh, Kevin Burkhardt, just for lack of better names, right? Somebody who can be sort of the face of that. It feels like Al belongs more on your traditional path, maybe your ESPN Monday Night Football or staying with NBC. That's the only thing I, I have a little bit weird about it. It just doesn't feel like the spot for a veteran broadcaster who has had 50 plus years in the business to be on, to your point, a streaming service on a Thursday night with, you know, Ravens, Jaguars, hoping the heck that this thing comes down to a field goal. That feels like more of a a younger uh, up and coming kind of guy. But I thought we were all going to get the news we want. I thought Eminem was going to break this story for us at the Super Bowl. He had an exclusive one-on-one with Al Michaels. I thought we were going to get the answer right there live. Unfortunately, we didn't get the answer. But um, again, he was on top of his game, even for this last uh, this last Super Bowl. Again, I tried to find some things in my mind that go like, yeah, he's losing it a little bit. Or, yeah, maybe it makes some sense. Hard to find. He, he did a fantastic job. And I think for Amazon, it's a coup because it gets them that legitimacy right away. It gets them that name to say, hey, this is a real thing. This isn't some fly by night, you know, uh, second tier broadcast. We've got some pros here. And I think that helps Amazon. But it just feels weird. Al Michaels, Amazon streaming. Those three things just don't go together in my Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah. You know, interesting. Uh, a guy I listened to uh, nationally, Steve Zabin, he hates the Al Michaels of today. And he during the divisional round played, you know, some of the big calls from the games. And, you know, so you hear the Jim Nance call, the Iron Eagle call, uh, the Joe Buck call. And, and then he plays Al Michaels. And probably of those four, Al Michaels call was not as good today. But if that's your, you know, if, that, if, if that's your if, that, if, if that's your baseline, that's a really good baseline. Uh, so, you know, yeah, he's not it, calling. Yeah, he's not like the 95 95- mile an hour fastball there but he's still throwing 88 he's doing just fine you know it's not the uh do you believe in miracles no we're not getting those calls but you're still getting fine calls like yeah like if we watched him if you listen to him and you didn't know how old he was i don't think you would guess he was 77 i wouldn't no and he's also very infamous for not eating vegetables so there you go i think he eats a lot of steak every day is that what i heard right doesn't he have a steak like every day for dinner yes (laughs) so he may, he, he may he may have found the he may have found the golden golden nugget there so write that down yeah stay <laughs> there, you, there you go central florida we're back it's the second annual apaca international jazz fest starring the iconic jeffrey osborne jeffrey osborne with special guest hiroshima saxophonist d lucas and grammy award winner nestor torres saturday march 19th at the luxurious apaca amphitheater early bird tickets on sale for complete details and tickets log on to Apopka International Jazz Fest.com. Jeffrey Osborne. Get your tickets now. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit of radio. So um, Michael Jr. is out at ESPN Radio. So we're going to have to go to Adam first on this one because I want to know if your close personal friend, Michael Lick Sr., ah. happened to uh, give you, the, uh, give you yeah. the scoop on why his son is no longer at uh, ESPN Radio. 
You know what? You ever send a text message and you get those three dots and you're just waiting and waiting and wait. I still have the three dots. So I'm not quite sure <laughs> that Golik has responded back. I, well, he's not just off radios. He was on a lot of different ESPN properties. He was doing their online show. I think it was called Debatable. Really was the uh, the replacement for the, the Lebertard uh, Highly Questionable show. He appeared on a ton of their, their different college football programs. He was an analyst for them in college football. Uh, so th- the timing was interesting because basically he, he did a show on Monday and then on Tuesday he, he was gone. So uh, obviously there's a backstory there. I have not heard it yet, but the Golig family does their own podcast. It's the Golig family podcast. Uh, it's, I think it's called Sorry in Advance. And uh, on there, they were teasing that they were going to talk about Mike's departure. I've not listened to it yet. I don't suspect they're going to have anything really revelatory in that. I assume it's going to be above the board. Hey, you know, the great opportunities. But something clearly happened in a short order. So either Golik went there and, and wanted some, some additional work or something, you know, more nefarious happened because he was – he was there on Monday, gone on Tuesday. I think the prevailing theory was that he would maybe follow the, the Metalar crew um, and, and Lebertard and those guys. I found it curious the very next day on Lebertard's show, he referenced like, oh, oh my goodness, Mike Golick Jr. has gone on ESPN. Like, that's surprising to me. You would have thought that he would have known he was leaving if that was his intended destination. So either A, Dan isn't plugged in on that and just isn't involved in some of the metal arc stuff, or B, he was kind of playing coy about it. I did find it interesting, but I do think it's a, he, he was, Golik Jr. was at least one of the younger voices that they were able to trot out to get some of that, the, some of the younger viewers. Again, he played a lot of different roles across the network. Uh, so I was surprised to see it go because you'd have thought after his dad left, maybe he would get less assignments. You'd start to see that kind of winding down. It was the exact opposite. So so I'm curious where he lands. Obviously, the Notre Dame connections are always pretty strong. Maybe there's an NBC tie-in there as well, thinking about you know the NBC stuff, or maybe the Metal Arc thing does make a ton of sense. But I actually found it surprising that, uh, that he was gone and kind of the, how quickly and the manner with which he was gone. Eric? The manner didn't surprise me because Jeff can relate to this. That's how radio works. You could be on the air one, uh, one day, then then 24 hours later, you're done, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's no saying goodbye. <laughs> yeah, no, radio is weird like that, man. Like it's a weird, weird business. Like that's happened to me. It's happened to people I've worked with. It's a weird business from that standpoint. Uh, uh, as far as where Mike ends up, I think you know I saw some rumblings that maybe he goes to one of these gambling sites. That's become mm-hmm. a trend. You know, Trey Wingo's at Caesars now. Kenny Maine's working for Caesars. Maybe FanDuel, DraftKings could be a place for Mike Golick, kind of young guy. Uh, you know, maybe he does some radio football nationally like Mike Senior did. I think those are the spots to look at from that standpoint. Uh, we saw John Rostein signed up with uh, one of the companies. I think it was DraftKings or FanDuel. I don't recall. And then you've got, you know, you know. I think you're going to see more and more of these sites get involved with on-air personalities. And maybe that's the direction Mike Golick Jr. goes with. I don't, you know, he does sports, but I feel like when I've listened to him that he, I think he kind of wants to do more than just sports. So I do wonder, like, he'll still do sports, but I wonder if he wants to do some other things. And I think that's why you're you're probably right, Adam. He, I, you would think the Levitard deal would make a ton of sense and maybe it still will but that that would have been a natural fit from a podcast standpoint and a landing spot for him but this also shows by the way espn radio is, is kind of a consolate it's for throw-in yeah. espn's more about audio now it's about podcasts sound bites t you know debate and all that their their espn radio is secondary uh to them and so I, I think and I think Mike Golick Jr. probably figured that and said, let me get out of here now and do some other stuff. Yeah. And of course, you know, also the afternoon time slot on ESPN radio, that's not getting cleared in a lot of major or or midsize markets. 
either. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to be caught on streaming, you, they might have more streaming listeners than they do actual radio listeners uh, at that particular uh, point in time. Pop quiz, do, I, do either of you know his current partner right now? Who was his partner? You know, was I, it was it Chris Canty or was it one of the? It WNBA was Chris Canty. Yes. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was Chris Canty. Before that, it was um, uh, Chini Agumake. She was his partner. So he's been through the gamut. But that that just speaks to the point, right? No one even knows who he's partnered with in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, so uh, Adam uh, brought this topic to the table. Um, Barrett Sports Media has released a, a, a lot of their surveys on top national radio shows, podcasts, and all that good stuff. So uh, top national radio sports talk shows. Uh, uh, so I'm looking at the at the list here. The Herd with Colin Cowherd is number one. Pat McAfee, number two. Dan Patrick, number three. Greeny at number four. I roll my eyes at that. Uh, Matt, <laughs> Matt Adam, Dog. have you seen this side of Jeff or what? He's... <laughs> <laughs> new year, new Jeff. I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, Mad Dog Unleashed. I am biased uh, since I worked with Chris back in the day. Number five, Jim Rome. Number six, Paul Feinbaum. Number seven, which is interesting because that's a very regional type show he does. Uh, the DA Show, number eight. Uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, nine. Rich Eisen, number 10. Uh, just going through the top 10 there. Um, so any of these uh, surprise you? Uh have you torched like me with greenie or? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get the greenie thing at all. Again, I've said this every time we get together, the greenies radio show is basically just a recap of what he did on get up the previous couple of hours. <clears throat> just listen to any part of it. It's like, well, on get up earlier, we talked to blah, 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 blah. Uh, I was floored that uh, Keyshawn, J will and Max made the top 10. I don't know how that's even possible. I, I listen, I've tried to, to give that show a couple different chances in the mornings. And I just can't, there's just no rhythm between those three. There's no chemistry. Max makes it even worse. Not because he's bad, just because he's, he's not going to be Zubin who gets out of the way unless the other two talk, he's going to talk just as much. I was surprised at Colin Coward. Number one, though, I, I, that one, that one kind of surprised me from that, that perspective. I thought McAfee potentially had enough to, to maybe take that spot. I know Dan Patrick's been a, a stalwart in the industry. His show continues to evolve and get better. Colin's very polarizing, obviously, you know, he, He's, he's, he says the thing that usually gets him a lot of clicks is his feuds with Baker Mayfield and stuff like that. So maybe that's part of what drives that. I was surprised to see that he was still kind of voted number one. Probably not good for the rest of society because I'm sure that goes right to the ego, which probably won't help anybody. But I was surprised that he held on to that number one spot this year. Yeah. The only thing I will defend Colin on, forget the opinions, that's different. He's one of the few that still does a radio show by himself, which is kind of sure. what it used to be, right? There's not a second guy. Like, that's the impressive thing. And is he every day he comes up with three hours of content. Plus, he's got his own podcast thing he's building now up. That's the thing that impresses me. And I think that's why he's ranked number one. It's not necessarily his opinions. Hmm. Uh, I think it's more of the style that this is a guy. He's got his opinion, but he's doing it solo. I mean, with respect to Joy Taylor, I don't consider her the sidekick, if you will, as a co-host. Uh, like other shows, like Dan Patrick has the Danettes. Um you know, I think those are the you know the two. I would have thought Dan Patrick would have been higher in the rankings. Obviously, Mac, McAfee is picking up steam. Uh, obviously, he's had a heck of a run here in the last few months here in a year. But, uh, you know, again, it, that's to me the only surprise is that I thought Dan Patrick would be a little higher uh, from a national radio standpoint because I still think he's the best interviewer of all those guys. Like, oh. And I'm a big fan of interview type guys, guess, and I think Dan's the best. Yeah, you know, it is interesting. You know, Pat McAfee 
I, I can I can take him in small doses. Um, you know, to me, sometimes it's a little too over the top. Uh, I, the fact that it shows the you know he's the mouthpiece of Aaron Rodgers, uh, <laughs> you know, so we get to hear you know uh, them kind of just you know. I, if I hosted a national radio show and I could be the mouthpiece of Aaron Rodgers, I would do, do the same thing too. I mean, who wouldn't? But, Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, but yeah. uh, you know that kind of puts me a little down on that. You know, I like some of his shtick, but I I can't take it in large doses. Yeah, he strikes me though. He's going to be the athlete friendly outlet, right? Like, obviously, you know, you saw his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. You think about just the top three. You've got Colin. You've got him. You've got Dan Patrick, right? To your point, Elo, I agree. I think DP's the best question asker in the business. If you watched his Super Bowl stuff this this past week versus some of the other shows, he was asking more in-depth questions, better questions. His interview with Ed, Ed Orgeron went viral because he talked about, you know, recruiting trips. And Ed Orgeron talked about how he tried to get Adrian Peterson's dad transferred from an Oklahoma prison facility to California so he could play at USC, right? Nobody else was asking that kind of stuff. So I'll give you the credit on on, on that for DP. Colin's going to ask the tough questions. I think McAfee kind of finds that lane of a little bit more athlete-friendly which I'm curious to see, will he get bigger names now? Will he get the the rest of the athletes who will go on there because they know it's a little bit more friendly space where Colin and Dan are going to ask some probably tougher questions, harder questions than they want to answer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and interesting enough, you know, Jim Rowan, number six, you know, I haven't listened to Rome regularly in a long time. I tried to listen uh, uh, one time last week and I don't see a show that's evolved any. You know, he's, he, you know, it's, it's kind of tired. Uh, in my opinion, now to his credit, he will interview, um, you know, you know, college basketball coaches, which you don't get anywhere. Uh, so there's at least that aspect, uh, you know, from from where Rome is concerned. Uh, I, I'm surprised that, you know, he's still relevant, to, to be honest with you. Well, he's cashing in those checks. He's written. I mean, he's worked his tail off and I think he's just kind of not coasting, but. You know, like he's had that deal with what CBS radio and, mm. uh, you know, I, th- I think he at times he's tried to do some projects on Showtime and stuff like that. But he's another one that's a very underrated, good interviewer. Like he knows like we've you know, he's had Josh Hypo, Mackenzie Milton on. There are always good interviews when he's had people on. It's just that, you know, CBS radio just hasn't really taken off. Right. Like, you know, I don't think we'll ever see that level that we saw peak ESPN and radio, you know, Fox Radio is not anything great, sports radio. NBC kind of shut it down, the, the NBC Sports Radio. So it's just – I think Rome is just kind of hanging out there and doing his thing. But uh, still, I mean, he's still doing his thing. What is it now, 30, 40 years he's been going at it? I mean, been uh, it's a been a time. while, yeah. so he's yeah. doing something, right? Yeah. So, um, But you're right. He's not at the peak. He's not at the peak that he once was. Yeah. You know, and you do bring an interesting aspect because outside of, you know, the, the really top guys – National sports radio is not really very good mm. if you yeah. really want to, want to slice it down to that. Well, it's interesting. I think, you, you know, you're well, seeing this right now. We're to blame for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you're seeing this now, though. If every athlete, everybody out there, Tom Brady has his own podcast, right? Why does he need Dan Patrick? Yep. Why does he need Colin Cowherd? A, a lot of these guys are finding their own outlets, their own vehicles, and that's where radio is going to be interesting. If you're not hawking product, then then what's the what's the, the impetus for you to go on a national radio show, right? Control your own narrative. Put out your own Instagram live video. You know, host a Twitter spaces. There are so many options these days if you want to get your own content out there. You know, back in the day, you needed 
Jim Rome. You need a Dan Patrick. You need a Colin Cowherd. Now you don't really do that, right? You don't really need that. You either do the Aaron Rodgers, find an athlete-friendly platform like McAfee, or you start your own thing. I'm curious to see how the radio stuff evolves. I think you're going to see those. That's why I'm curious who the top three are, because I think those three or four guys will keep getting the bigger names just because it's a status symbol, right? It's like, hey, I was on The Tonight Show, right? Hey, I was on with Dan Patrick. It'll be a status symbol at some point. But the reality is that outlet's not needed very much for athletes these days. Yeah. Well, let's well, the uh, podcast industry, the po- I mean, I, I just want to say the audience, that's the big thing. Now you don't have to go on Dan Patrick anymore to your point anymore. People go on podcasts. Uh, I mean, to me, I'm a Bill Simmons fan. I listen to Bill Simmons podcast every time I listen more to that than I do national radio. Uh, yeah. I think this also goes to local, right? There's a reason why sons of UCF exist and the black and gold banneret podcast exists because people don't want to wait till maybe a local radio and listen to maybe get 10 minutes of UCF talk in a segment. Maybe you can go to sons of UCF and talk, hear UCF talk for an hour, hour and a half or banneret for an hour, hour and a half. You know, coaches come on our show. You don't have to wait till maybe they come on on the radio side. So I think the podcast industry has had a significant impact that I wonder 10, 20 years from now, after Dan Patrick, after Colin Cowherd is done, who is the next national radio guy after Jim Rome? That's why Jim Rome is still around, because who's going to replace Jim Rome? (laughs) That's going to be the big question to me in the next decade or two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you brought up podcasts, so we're going to go through that list. But I will tell you before I start reading off some of the list, I totally disagree with it from this aspect because, you know, I think, you know, in the circle, black and gold banner red, since mm, UCF, Jeff right. Allen sports talk should yeah. all be in the top five. Without I mean, doubt. Yeah. It's criminal. Yeah. <laughs> we must be other, others receiving votes, I assume. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something along that line. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Dan Levitari coming in number one. Uh, uh, pardon my take. Uh, number two, Bill Simmons, number three, uh, uh, the SV pod with Scott Van Pelt, the SVP pod, however you want to say that. Uh, Dave Portnoy, the barstool guy, number six is after Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter, number five. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, the Woj podcast, number seven. Colin Cowherd's podcast, number eight. So he's a, he's a, he's in the top 10 in both, both fields. Uh, KFC radio, number nine. I'll kick the uh, the I'll kick the coverage show with Clay Travis number ten, um, just to name a few. So, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on those uh, particular podcasts? Anything stand out to you guys? What's interesting is you look at that list and you think about, I think, Levitard and probably Bill Simmons falls in that. I don't I don't follow the Barstool guys as closely, so I'm not as plugged in there. But they they churn out a ton of content. I mean, they churn out like multiple shows, multiple hours a day where Schefter and Woj, it's probably one a week, right? A couple of hours, you know, if, if that a week, it's an interview segment and something different. So I think the volume of that should be factored in in some form or fashion where the radio, it's a little bit easier. You, know, you do two hours. I do two hours. You do three hours. I do three hours. You can you can compare it. But the amount of content that, to, to Eric's point earlier, Bill Simmons puts out is vastly greater than the amount of content Adam Schefter puts out. So to have those two kind of by themselves seems a little bit awkward to me. Um, I think Lebertard, you guys know I'm a Lebertard fan. I think he's done a nice job building out his network. Show hasn't changed very much. He's added some new elements. I think that's fine. I agree with Elo. I always find Bill entertaining. Like I think the, the other person that I, I listen to a ton, I know he's in the top 20. I forget exactly where he's at, is um, Ryan Rossillo. Uh, obviously, he's part of the Ringer Network. I listen to Rosillo a ton. I think he's number 12. 13. Okay. I knew he was in that middle, that middle section there. I think his stuff's pretty interesting too, as well. Uh, but I think this it's that list is funny, right? Because you've got you've got sort of your daily guys, you've got your Simmons, your Levitards, you got your, you know. 
I don't want to call them provocateurs, but your bar stools, your outkick, the coverage. Then you got your information guys, your woes and your shafters. I think you're seeing some of those, some of those categories there. But look at those names that you just mentioned now versus the other names that you mentioned on the radio list. And if you put them all in a lineup, which 10 are more easily recognizable? And I think that's where you're seeing the shift to Eric's point in the podcast side is that's where the bigger names are going. That's where you're getting more of that content is on the uh, on the podcast side. Eric? Yeah, I agree. Simmons just won the uh, National Podcast of the Year, I think, by iHeart. Uh, they did their awards there recently. Like Simmons and Libertar Tamir are the top two. Rosillo is really good. And I really loved when it was Rosillo and Van Pelt. Yeah. Together, I actually did watch some of their shows live uh, in the college when they would travel at college football. And their original idea is that we're going to do that podcast, that SVP podcast was going to be the two of them together. Then Ryan went to obviously go to obviously the Ringer, and I listened to him there as well. And he does great stuff and uh, coming from that radio background. But I think Simmons and Lebitard, they know the audience. They have a loyal following. Uh, you know, I'm a big basketball guy, so Simmons is the go-to for basketball, but he does good football content. He's built that ring around a lot of podcasts, uh, which has been good. The fascinating thing about the Schefter and the Woj, it tells you how it big, how important, how powerful the insider guys are in these sports leagues, right? Like, mm-hmm. we need that Woj information. I mean, I guarantee you that the trade deadline, the speculation, the Brady stuff, we're all in that. And that's, I don't think it's and something to follow there. ESPN just hired Pete Thamel to do the be the kind of the woge of college football look for pete thamel to become like a big deal now even bigger now in the next year don't be surprised if you see him now kind of uh, i heard he's going to be involved in college game day next year and stuff like that so that tells you the the power of the insider uh in 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 that deal with woge and they have usually big time guests as well so uh to your point adam that's a very fascinating there whereas simmons and lebertar more of a ton of content and and I think it's that's I think the two favorite podcasts, and I think Dan saw the kind of his business together. His formula worked out well for him. I think in the long run, it seems that way anyway. Uh, but I I think that podcast list will continue to grow. It's a lot of competition. Everybody does podcasts. Heck, we can, we can. So, Sort of say we, I mean, we're, we're, we're examples here locally, right? There's a ton of podcasts where I'll never forget where there's that one week during the, uh, during the lockdown, I think it was, where Adam and I both had coincidentally had Michelle Akers on our, on our shows the same week, which was bizarre. Yep. And I, yep. te- I DM'd them like, what happened? <laughs> what happened here? How did this happen? And it was just co- coincidental, but that tends to happen in this industry, the podcast stuff. But I think that's where we're seeing more and more of that uh, with the podcast shows. I think we'll just continue to grow uh, because everybody will have an audience. If you want to listen to basketball, I can go to Bill Simmons. If I want to you know, get some entertainment, go to Dale Abertar. If I want UCF stuff, I got my shows to go. I don't need to just wait to drive time or in the morning. And even radios are trying to compete now because they come out with podcast segments too now. So they're trying to compete with podcasts. And I think that's what's hurt the radio industry because you can get all this stuff for free. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. And 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 the beauty of the podcast is it's time-shifted listening. You know, it's, you can listen to it at 3 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon um at, at your at your pleasure so uh well that's where sorry that's where the Woj and Schefter thing is fascinating to me because 
you're not going to get in breaking news on the podcast, right? Because they're going to want to get that to you via tweet. You're going to get that via sports center hit or whatever. So that's why that's fascinating that even though it seems highly unlikely, you're going to get a breaking news element on a podcast that came out three days ago. It still is one of the top 10 downloaded shows out there. Right. And to your point, Eric, I think that just speaks to, well, what if, what if Woj tells me a little bit of nugget of something about a trade that didn't go down? I don't want to miss it. So I better be there for it. Right. I think that's, what's fascinating about all that. Cause they're not breaking news on the podcast. Well, not only that, like in Schefter's case, I'll never forget. He explained in his podcast how he ended up breaking the Andrew Luck retirement story. Remember that one where everybody was in shock? He broke it on the eve and he talked about how he was in his (laughs) in-laws, Barty, and he had to excuse himself to break the Andrew Luck story and how Matt Hasselbeck, who was hanging out with Andrew Luck that week, called him like, dude, are you sure? I think you're wrong. And he's yelling at Adam Schefter. And so I think we're all fascinated by the behind the scenes stuff to your point, Adam, of, okay, what does Woj know? He, even though he's not going to break something on the podcast, he's going to give me something that I'm not going to get somewhere else that he's not going to share with me on TV because we don't see them maybe for 30 minutes on a TV show. That's why those trade deadline shows do good numbers because people are like, what are you hearing? You know, yeah. people, we love gossip and the transaction. And those two guys are the best in the industry at really uh, being on top of it. Jeff, a real quick question for you. If you have, do you still have the list in front of you? Is there, what's the highest number of a current or former athlete on that list? Current or former athlete on that list. Uh, let's see. Is anybody in the top 20? I don't recall seeing anybody. I do not see anybody in the top 20. And that's where I'm curious about as, as this goes into the future, right? Who's going to be the, the, the athlete that starts to own their own content and starts to turn it out and then get into that top 20 list, right? Because all you're seeing there are, are media guys or, or former you know, newspaper guys, whatever. Who's going to be the athlete that breaks through that list? You see it on the radio side, right? We had McAfee number two, but on the, on the podcast front, who's going to be that, that person that, that starts to break that list? I think that'll be interesting content shift when a, a current athlete can have a top 10 rated podcast um, as they're working. I think I, think, I know J.J. Reddick was doing a really good show. His, his, his show is actually really good if you guys don't listen to that. I think it's Old Man of the Three is what it's called. Uh, he was doing it while he was, uh, while he was still active, but obviously not to the, uh, the time commitment, I'm sure, is a problem. But I'll, I'll be curious when that first athlete gets into that top 10, top 20, because I think that'll be an interesting shift in terms of how we think about content directly from the athlete. Yeah. And, you know, and the, and the other beauty of it is, you know, you talk about the quality of content and, and the, 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 the quantity, uh, you know, cause like I'll, I'll listen to the field of 68 college basketball, uh, cause you don't get a lot of college basketball stuff out there. So me uh, too, me too. You know, yeah. You know, so that's, so that's good stuff out there. I'm actually disappointed. Uh, of course this may be a sign of my age that, uh, uh, the Tony Kornheiser show was uh, like 23rd. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Well, but, but think about it, though. Where are you going to find the platform with Korn? He doesn't even promote it on his TV show on PTI that much. You know, once in a while, I was like, I had so-and-so on my podcast. Uh, I, he doesn't push it as much. Plus, he well, takes because, time off sometimes. Because it's not an ESPN you know. property. That podcast oh, is so Oh, I agree with you. I, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. You know, our friend Victor Anderson is a loyal listener. So, I, in fact, when I've hung out with him, he usually has Tony on. And I just, it's hard because the one negative of the podcast is there's so much of it, but you only have so much time to listen to it, right? Like, 
am I going to listen to Sons of UCF or Tony Kornheiser? I'm going to go with Sons of UCF because I got to hear the lady. Most people are. Yeah. This with Mike's doing with the, his thoughts. Who's on the hot seat of UCF, right? I mean, yeah. I don't care what Tony Every, thinks. Everybody. The, you know, the yeah. politics going on in movies. Yeah. Everybody's in the hot seat, though. Everybody. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Absolutely. But again, the you know, and you just talk about, the, you know, what I love about the uh, the podcast community, uh, you know, here locally, you know, I mean, we guys, you know, cross pollinate all the time, you know, uh, which which is great to see, you know, we, you know, everybody, you know, has a podcast, there's a space for everybody. And uh, that's what I really enjoy about that, that, you know, and all the friends I'm making, you know, uh, having guests on the show and things like that. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, those, uh, those, those checks will be in the mail for you guys uh, for, being my friend. Uh, wow, Jeff is really. <laughs> wow. So I know there's time this year. Here. I know there's a drug scandal at the Olympics. We need to start <laughs> testing Jeff. I don't know what's going on or not here. My goodness. <laughs> Checks were ripping greeny. Uh, wow. Okay. Uh, I will not confirm nor deny any positive tests <laughs> okay. at this point. Fair enough. So, uh, you, so when we got together and did the All Man special, we were talking afterwards, and I came up with the thought, you know, maybe we should start celebrating some of these legends in broadcasting while they're still with us so uh uh wanted to start off on this one um the great Vern Lundquist so uh uh you look at Vern the one-time voice of the Dallas Cowboys which is uh, uh which is dear and dear to my heart um you know he went to you know CBS from there to ABC for a while did a lot of college football then went back to CBS and at one time was the number two voice of the NFL for CBS but then an interesting thing happened CBS had a chance to get Dick Enberg and they were going to make Dick Ginberg the number two, and they approached Vern. Hey, we're thinking about you for uh, like Saturday afternoon SEC football. And he admittedly was not thrilled with the idea at first. But as things turned out, he goes with it. And the SEC on CBS Saturday afternoon becomes a, a cornerstone uh, of the network. And of course, uh, Vern is also just. You know, not only terrific at calling football, but college basketball. He called the the Leitner shot in in college basketball. He uh, he called golf and you know infamous uh, uh, things at the at the Masters. In your life, you know, is one of my favorite Vern Lundquist calls uh, at the Masters. Uh, you know, truly a, a great legend. You know, he just really kind of hung it up a couple years ago. Uh, still comes back for the Masters, so at least we get to we get Uncle Vern once a year. Um, so you guys can give me your uh, recollections and thoughts on, on the great Vern Lundquist. Well, I think to me, you mentioned it, the voice of the SEC for CBS. I mean, he made that package big time. I mean, with Blackledge and then Gary Danielson. I mean, that voice, it's a soundtrack for CBS 330, uh, Alabama. I mean, that, that was huge. But, you know, I always think back to the college basketball, the NCAA tournament. Uh, and the games he used to do. I mean, obviously, I think he did the greatest Elite Eight game ever played, Duke and Kentucky, the Leitner shot, 92 with Lynn Elmore. Yep. That was like a, a you know big-time deal broadcast crew uh, for the tournament. I kind of miss him. So is he done doing college basketball as well? Is that like Yeah, he hasn't done that, that for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, he's, okay. yeah, he hasn't done the tournament in a couple of years. So he's just doing the Masters, which obviously he's made the 16th hole like the big thing for him there at the Masters. Uh, but he's an iconic voice who's adapted. Maybe the most well-known voice for a guy that, quote, wasn't a number one in a pro, you know, major sport. 
sport, a pro sport. He's certainly the SEC, but he wasn't the voice of college football, but yet probably the most recognizable voice, arguably, that wasn't a quote-unquote number one. I think that, that could be his case. And I'll never forget College Game Day celebrating him during his last year. He was a game day guest picker. Uh, and he was funny as heck with him and Corso. That, that was such a great – that was one of my favorite moments of the game day show. And uh, he's awesome. He, he, I always enjoyed his work. Yeah, and he worked with Rafferty a lot. Rafferty a lot in the in in the college tournament. Uh, oh, that was, they, the they, yeah, yeah, that was the best. Yeah, and they called them the best. And they called themselves the Sunshine Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know you cross over when you can become uh, a, a important character in a movie. And for those who don't remember, Vern is in Happy Gilmore, the Adam Sandler golf movie. He is uh, he's featured prominently throughout the entire movie. He's got some fantastic lines. And, you know, I think he carried over and crossed over into that Hollywood sign. Uh, and that, I think, is where you see some of these guys who have that recognizable voice. And that was Vern. Uh, I think college football, as much as I like Gary Danielson, I still hear that CBS music and I turn my TV on and I still half expect to hear Vern. And it takes me a minute, even though it's been a couple of years, it takes me a minute to orient like, oh, no, that's actually not Vern anymore. That's, that's Nestler. I think he's just got one of those iconic voices. Uh, he think he's one of those guys who's transcended uh, sports. I think Eric makes a great point. He was never the, the top guy anywhere. Right. But he, he is probably one of the most recognizable. And I think that speaks to just a his creativity, because I think to your point, you know, earlier, Jeff, he, he had some some great calls. He kind of knew what to say when he had to say. But I agree with Eric that 1992 Elite A game. I, I was still in middle school, I think, when that was being played. I remember staying up late and the thing wouldn't end and uh that that was just a, a fantastic call uh and I, that's probably one of those that as as we memorialize Vern as he continues to age i think that'll be probably his signature call when it's all said and done yeah it, no question about that and you know just again he's a soundtrack you know we we kind of use that phrase a lot you know when, when it comes to memorable calls and, and and things that you know help us remember uh our youth and and things like that when 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 the world was innocent, right? <laughs> so uh, what I always thought was funny about Vern is he he didn't have like a and you guys might know what I'm talking about when I say this. He didn't have a traditional golf voice. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Nance is really good with it. And on the 16th tee, we've got Vern had a much bigger, much deeper voice, but somehow you always made golf work. You know what I mean? That I always found that fascinating is he wouldn't have had that, that prototype golf voice, but there are some shots where that, where they hit and you need Vern's emphasis. You need sort of his excitement, but he didn't have that traditional golf voice, which I always thought was funny that he still did really well. And, and he was a, a good voice for golf, even though he didn't have sort of that, that same monotone delivery and cadence that other guys had. Well, you know, and the, and the beauty of, of Vern too was uh, you know he 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 knew brevity mm. would would work in a lot of cases and golf was one of those uh, you know Nicholas uh, winning the Masters in '86 and he calls the the big thing and just you know he, he hits the big putt and just goes yes sir you know I yeah. mean the, you know just just knowing that and you know the kick six is another big play in SEC history you know and he just called that just so eloquently and, and he knew how to dive out when the moment was big. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there we go. So we'll uh, we'll we'll have to uh, put our thinking caps on to find out the the next one that we will uh, uh, we will pay homage to in the uh, as far as the great broadcasters uh, in in sports history as uh, we wrap up another edition of the media spotlight. So uh, I will turn it over to you guys. Not not that we haven't done enough shameless plugs on the show today, but we're going to let you do it one more time. Uh, Adam, go ahead. 
Yeah, you can find us at the Sons of UCF. That's a twice a week now podcast, Tuesday, live show, Thursday. Follow us on Twitter at Sons of UCF everywhere. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We have some cool content we roll out there and uh, our website, twonightsmedia.com. Myself, Mike Espinoza, Trace Trelko. We'll, uh, we'll bring you some fun times. We'll talk you through all, all kinds of UCF stuff. Uh, catch us twice a week. And the broadcast where the broadcast legend of BJ Taylor was born once again. So, uh, hey, yo, hey, yo, that was a great first game. That he a lot had of people are saying that he did really he well. Fantastic. He did fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I sent him a message after the game and just, he actually told us that he was nervous. Like that first couple of minutes, he kind of was nervous. And I was couldn't like, look, tell. you couldn't really tell. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's funny is hearing him on the live show each week, we'll, we'll exchange messages afterwards. And you know, it's funny my initial thought was he, he can be long winded at times, right? Sometimes we ask him a question and he'll go on for a minute or two. And I was like, uh, hopefully he figures that out. But he, he was, he was, he was really quick with his answers. I think he had some energy and some excitement. There's some other guys who have tried that chair out that maybe don't have as much energy, but you could tell BJ was excited. And I didn't think he was a Homer. And I think that was the other key thing. I don't think yes. he was a, a, a strict UCF Homer. I think he called a fair game overall too. So I'm excited. I hope he gets more chances because uh, he's actually really, really good at that. You know, you know how they say, you know, like when the guys play, you know, they get they get good work on tape. Well, he did that as a broadcaster. So uh, I think that's going to definitely elevate him to, to, to more work as well. Uh, Eric Lopez, your shameless plug, sir. Well, first, credit to Adam, Mike and Trace for giving him BJ the platform. He's been on weekly with them on that live show. It's been a great basketball segment and i think that helped them get that opportunity and continue this kind of growth of ucf basketball alums in broadcasting michael dono's doing great stuff nationally taylor young's been the radio analyst for a decade now with mark daniels and now bj i think is going to be a natural but credit to trace and adam and mike for putting him on the show live and giving him that platform uh to kind of get his name out there because it's been great segments we will. You can find my work at uh, UCF Banneret underscore SBN, blackandgoldbanneret.com. We just had the podcast come out. Greg Loveladies, our guest. We preview the baseball season. Plus, we talk WWE because he's a big wrestling fan like I am. So you're going to tune in for that. Uh, also, obviously, you can watch, uh, follow me at Eric Lopez Elo. I call UCF softball games on ESPN. Plus, be back on that February 25th for Ole Miss. Check your local listings, as they say. And then I host the In the Circle as. Uh, a softball podcast nationally, which somehow didn't crack the top 10. Must have been a miscalculation there. But uh, so those are, I'm in, I'm in podcast world, man. I'm in like multiple podcasts. So it's uh, always, that's uh, Eric Lopez. You just keep track where I'm doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of softball, I was uh, telling a friend the other day, I said, you know, if, if uh, Jeff in his 20s was told that future Jeff in his 50s would be watching softball on a Friday night, <laughs> he would have laughed back then but, over, uh, over the internet essentially too right like on a streaming service <laughs> yes exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh so it's great to see how that sport is growing and evolving and uh, eric i know you do a lot of a lot of good stuff as far as uh, that is concerned so gentlemen once again thanks for uh doing this and uh as always uh appreciate you having any on the media spotlight edition of the program thanks jeff anytime anytime jeff and with that we are done here Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve. 
is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net. The second annual Apopka International Jazz Fest, starring Jeffrey Osborne with Hiroshima, D. Lucas, and Grammy Award winner Nestor Torres. Saturday, March 19th at the Apopka Amphitheater. For complete details and early bird tickets, log on to International Jazz Fest.com.